Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. Real people experiencing real change because of a real Savior. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about what does it mean to be a Christian? What what is a Christian about? Uh, We talked about how the word Christian is defined as belonging to Jesus. So what does it mean to belong to Jesus? And, And what does... Uh, what does that mean for us? What should we be about? So we've talked about how we are called to know God. We're invited into relationship to get to know, not just know about, not just know some cool facts or quote some Bible verses, but really get to know God on a personal level, which is uh, crazy that God has invited us into that. We get to know him. And as we do, we get to grow uh, in Christ-like character, looking to Jesus as our example And we are sent to go. Uh, We talked last week about how Jesus said, go and make disciples, go and be part of community, go uh, and love your neighbor. We're invited to to go. So we talked last week then about this uh, idea of a missionary mindset. And and the thought is uh, kind of around this idea that church in our culture has, has been shoved to the sidelines in some ways compared to where we were 50, 100, 300 years ago. And for some people, that's really frightening and, and scary. And we want to say it's, it's not. Uh, that the church thrives despite of whatever a culture may be doing. That the gospel of Jesus goes out no matter where we're placed in culture. That, that we're still called to go no matter what. And going and loving and spreading the good news of Jesus is entirely possible and still part of what we are called to do uh, even today. And we know people who have been uh, taking the gospel message into that uh, environment for uh, a long time. And those are our missionaries, our international workers. Uh, and so this morning, I'm, uh, people are allowed to see Phil and JJ beat me to the punch. So uh, this morning, we're going to get to talk to uh, Phil and JJ, who are, are right behind me, uh, and, um, and get to hear from them uh, about missionary mindset. And uh, I, I think they are especially qualified to uh, talk to us about this, but I'm going to let them tell you why, because um, I don't want to mess up their introduction, and they know them better than I know them anyway. So uh, Phil and JJ, why don't you guys uh, tell us about yourselves, and we will uh, hope and pray that all the technology works the way that it's supposed to here. <laughs> you guys. Well, uh, it was going to be me, and it's us. You get a two-for, a two-for-one. Awesome. So it's always better when if, if there's a couple that both can make it because we have, we're very different from each other. So if, if, I have, if I say one thing, he'll probably say the exact opposite thing, <laughs> and uh, that's just kind of how it works. So I'm JJ, and this is... Yeah, I'm Phil, so I'll be chiming in my thoughts. And uh, yeah, our family, we have four kids. We've been married 20 years. Uh, we went uh, overseas to Central Asia for um, three terms. So that's like about 12 years. And now we're back in Chico, California. We've been here for about three years. And that's a little bit about our family. When we got married, uh, he had been in banking for like seven years. So I thought I was marrying a banker. <laughs> And, uh, and then this is like, two, you know, yeah, things were kind of falling apart in banking. And he, I said, if you feel uncomfortable giving these loans out, that should be given out. Why don't you quit? And he's like, okay. And he became a carpenter 
and then we got married and then we just felt like we can do anything with our lives. We can do anything. What do we want to do? And um, so we kind of surrendered our hearts and our futures and our lives and we became missionary candidates. And that was in 2000, oh, no, 2000. Oh, originally, yeah. Yeah. 2001. 2001. Yeah, 2001. Huh. Um, so yeah, that's us. And right now, what do you do, honey? What do you do right now? Uh, so right now I do the carpentry work during the week and then on the weekends I drive for Uber. And uh, in our city, we have a college town. So it's a good opportunity to um, have a missionary mindset um, in the workforce. Yeah. And uh, I think a missionary mindset is a Christian mindset and we're all called um, to be lights and to not hide our light, you know, under a basket, but to put it up on top of the lamp pole. Right. And we know you guys, I mean, I know I've spoken there and I think um, I've spoken JJ's there. spoken there. Some of you guys probably know us. So thank you so much for having us back. Um, I guess we weren't terrible the first time. <laughs> not, not terrible. So thank you very much for coming back and, and joining us. So, uh, you talked about sort of surrendering your lives in that sense to this missionary call to uh, what that um, what, whatever God would would want to to do with you. Um, so, uh, what was it about your mindset, I guess, at that time that led to that decision, or what um, uh, what mindset do you feel like was required to say? God, uh, send us wherever you want to. And he sent you to some interesting places. <laughs> this is true, yes. <laughs> um, I think we had a, a very good mindset. Um, we love God and we wanted to serve him. And we were in, I was at a church working and he was in, uh, a leader in the young adults. So it's not like we were, we had to do a 180. We didn't have to change our minds about God. What we had to do was... Um, reconcile the fact that our lives were not our own. So when you, when you say my life is not my own, you really have to be up for whatever God um, throws your way. Yeah. So it takes, it takes like your hands off. I mean, the Jesus take the wheel country song, you know, it really has to pretty much be that way, uh, which is scary because you have no idea what this all powerful God is going to lead you to do. Because, and that's, I think, what people are kind of afraid of. But if you are pretty certain that his character is good mm -hmm. and that when you surrender to him, it's going to be for your own good and for his glory, it's never going to be just about his glory, but not for your own good. And it's never going to be just good for you, but not for his glory. It's going to mm -hmm. always work together. Um, so I think the, the two things as far as like what what mindset we had to take on for one, we had to be for sure, for sure, for sure that God wants to seek and save the lost. And of course, Christians say that, and we, we all were lost and God found us. Um, but sometimes in the middle there, we get a little confused, um, when things get hard, when there's politicking and, uh, your neighbor, who's a, just a bad neighbor, like we get a little confused about if God really wants to save them or not, if God really loves them the way he loves you. And so that's the first missionary mindset, like point A, love people and see people the way God sees them. And then, um, you know, Al Qaeda is no problem after that going to places that, because if he sees them the way he sees us, mm. then 
us putting um, the requirements on people to be good enough to um, be valuable enough to God. That's the whole rebuke of the book of Jonah. We're a bunch of Jonahs running around qualifying who God loves and who God shouldn't love. And so that's like the very basic thing we need to get straight um, with the missionary mindset. And I think another thing is um, uh, it's a spiritual battle. It'll, uh, the battle will enter your life. The battle is happening all around you and engaging in the battle takes a certain mindset because there's going to be backlash. Uh, your life is going to get a little tougher. You're going to have to be pretty strong and determined to um, keep seeking the Lord, even when the darkness doesn't want you to bring light. So you kind of have to prepare for that and um, be ready for, embrace yourself, really. Uh, we don't always brace ourselves. We are kind of used to being comfortable. And when something comes against us, we're like shocked, like, how dare they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, can I add something? Yeah. I think uh, fear is involved. I think sometimes we are afraid that we're going to mess things up. And yeah. so, like, if I go share with my neighbor, I don't want to be, like, the person with the cookies who's, like, overly friendly and scares them off. Or I don't want to say the, the wrong thing where I'm, like, um, saying something about Jesus. And then they're, like, oh, this person's crazy. So, like, and, and even going as missionaries, we had the thought, what if you go – to a place where they've never heard about Jesus, you know, are those, Which, yeah, you know, some people believe that if people don't ever hear about Jesus, then they're not going to go to hell. You know, some people believe that, but we believe that people need to be sent. The gospel needs to be heard. I mean, how else are they going to be saved? And so we wanted to be the emissary or ambassador to take Christ to places that they had never heard. But those places are also in our neighborhoods. There's people who haven't been exposed to the gospel here in the U.S. Yeah. And uh, so sometimes we're afraid we're going to screw it up and say the wrong things. But as we practice, you know, uh, learning how to share our faith and we practice it with in a, in a safe environment, we become more uh, uh, it becomes more second nature for us to share Christ yeah. everywhere we go with anyone based on any conversation that arises. <laughs> JJ and I, we joke about that a lot because the first time I heard her sharing Christ was at a subway and she started with, oh, I noticed you have some cracks in the ceiling up there. <laughs> and then she launched into the gospel and I was like, wow, I didn't think you could use subway cracks in the ceiling <laughs> as a bridge for the gospel. And so I've grown as an evangelist, mostly because of my wife. And uh, when I went overseas, I started sharing my faith much more to the point where it became comfortable. And I realized that God can use somebody like me, who's not as gifted in communication to share our faith and to pray for people and to show uh, the gospel as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good that it's, um, it, it's not just about gifting. Uh, this, uh, I, I know part of um, my story is those spiritual gift inventories that you can take uh, uh, evangelism always ends up like near the, the bottom. Um, and, and I use that as an excuse for a long time to say, oh, see, this one I don't have to do because it's, it's not my gifting. Uh, but it turns out that it may not be my gifting, but it is my calling, uh, just like every other Christ follower. And so somehow 
um, whether it's cracks in the subway ceiling, which is uh, a new one. I want to hear more about that later. Uh, but uh, whether it's, it's that or, um, or uh, cookies on a plate and being a little weird or whatever it may be to, uh, uh, to, to have a conversation and, um, and get to know the people um, uh, around us. So we, uh, one of the things I, I mentioned uh, last week, and I'm, I'm hoping I was correct, uh, is we talked about uh, the importance of just building relationships. Um, I think in the way I was uh, raised to think about evangelism, um, evangelism is the goal and the target. And if you have to love your neighbor on your way there, that's fine and, and encouraged even, but evangelism is the goal. Uh, and yet, I know in the environments you guys have found yourself in, uh, relationships and connections were super important. So I don't know how much uh, you're willing or able to talk about um, some relationships and connections, or just tell us about uh, why that's so important to be able to share the gospel. Because the, the cracks in the subway ceiling thing is awesome, but there's also this, boy, if we can build the relationship and build the connections to be able to share the gospel uh, part as well. So love to have you share with us a little about that. Um, yes, relationship building. Um, I always, I always am double-minded a little bit in this because um, for some people, like in America, maybe you can identify, if you've been to church in a long time, you can only identify a few people that are not loving Jesus already. And if you spend enough time in the church, maybe you don't know anybody who is uh, lost. Like the more time you spend um, in church. And so actually going to meet people, you have to start from scratch almost, like the person you work with or, or whatever. Um, where we were, it was like, you know, one in 10,000 people knew Christ. And so it wasn't hard. Everybody we met, we could potentially build a relationship or share without a relationship. Both could work. But the thing is, um, uh, the why should I listen to you, mm-hmm. you random person? We had an advantage in that we were Americans and, and they always wanted to ask us, can we take them with us when they leave? <laughs> Do you know anybody at the embassy? You know. But that's not a real um, biblical uh, relationship build. That's that's just a normal question, you know. Right. So we, it's not just build relationship with everybody. It, it really comes down to Lord, you're working all around me. You are. You're working in ways that I do not see. Who is it that you want me to spend time and effort building relationships with? Because you can't reach everybody. You can't save anybody. First of all, that's God's doing. Mm-hmm. And secondly, um, there are people that you can build intense, close relationships with for years. And number one, I've heard this, and I'm sure uh, uh, it's a real temptation. Like, I've gotten so close to them, they trust me now. I don't want to ruin it with the gospel because they might then reject me and reject the gospel, and then it was all for nothing. And they'll hate me, and I hate to be hated. That's one thing that could happen. Another thing that could happen is... After five years, you start sharing, and they were never really, truly um, interested in that. And then you didn't build relationships with anybody else because you thought that was the one because they look so close to Christ. And the thing is about the gospel is somebody can be so close for 40 years. And yet so far. And yet so far. And somebody could you think, they hate God. And in a moment, God could change their mind. 
Um, so we don't get to pick and choose really um, who's who's close and who's far, but being light and being a trustworthy person, being a kind person, doing kind things um, all the time, going out for coffee with people. These are, these are relationship building things and they'll trust you. That doesn't mean they'll trust God automatically, but there is a warming up process. Um, when someone legit and not crazy loves Jesus, they can see an example that maybe they've never had before a Christian. So um, it's, it's important. You want to add anything to that? Yeah, a close uh, contact of mine, he uh, was struggling. He was an alcoholic at the time. He was in Louisiana for Mardi Gras, and he was walking down a dark alley at night, and a young girl, like around 12 years old, walked up to him and said, hey, I just want to let you know Jesus loves you. Um, and, uh, you know, he has a plan for your life. And that turned him around. And she said, do you, do you know Jesus? And he said, well, yeah, I did. And so he knew it like convicted him of his sin. So I would say it's both. And it's like relationship is like a long-term approach and the proclamation of the gospel. Um, God can do miraculous things in a short period of time. Uh, I had a writer, a passenger in my Uber last weekend, who was very antagonistic to the gospel. He said that he was, uh, an atheist and he struggled. He couldn't drive a car because he had such fear come over him when he got in the driver's seat. Wow. But then later that, that next day, and, and I, I shared with him a little bit about a higher power. He's like, no, 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 no. You know, I don't have anyone but myself. I'm an atheist. I have to overcome this myself. Cause I was saying, you know, there's a way out of that. Yeah. And, uh, and so then that next day, um, he, the next morning he was drunk and he got in my car and he's like, I remember you, you were my driver and I friended you like you were somebody that I wanted to spend time with more cause you were kind. Wow. And so then I said, uh, you know, we started talking more and he was, uh, much more open. And so those kind well, of relationships, can, alcohol will do that. <laughs> relationships sometimes can grow over time. But you have to keep on uh, putting the most important things first. You can't just uh, hide the fact of who you are and and why why you believe what you believe. No one will get saved because of your friendship. People get saved because of the gospel. Mm. Um, but your friend, your friendship is based on how closely of a friend you feel Jesus is to you. And really, what evangelism is is introducing someone else to your very best friend. Right. Yeah. That's so good that we, uh, we should be bringing Jesus with us uh, in that sense into every conversation because he goes with us because um, uh, we are aware in some way of his, his presence and his spirit at, at work with us. Uh, I, uh, I know or I think I know that at this point um, you guys are doing um, some, some training or some helping of people who are overseas. Um, as you uh, do that training... Um, Especially, maybe as you think, and I don't know if you're, if you're training people who are brand new or just about to, to launch, but as you think about or talk to people who are just about to launch, for some of us, this idea of having a missionary mindset, of uh, being intentional uh, in some way about building relationships and about sharing the gospel, uh, this is kind of a new endeavor for us. So as you talk to people for whom going overseas, being a professional missionary, uh, is a new endeavor for them. Uh, what are the kinds of 
things that, that you want to uh, clarify. There's the word I'm looking for. What do you want to clarify with them, kind of have their minds set on um, before they, they start this, this new endeavor for them? We have, so we have been team leaders. And so we actually talk to people when they're considering joining us. And also we've talked to people who are thinking about missions. Um, and really we kind of clarify, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> because it's an awful thing um, to feel if you, you jump into something, you thought you wanted to do it, and then you get there and you're like, oh, wait, this is not what I thought it would be like. And so really the clarification comes in, um, you know, when asked, are you sure you want to do this? That means what are, in your imagination, what do you think you're about to do? Um, what do you imagine uh, your life to be like? And sometimes um, for the good or for the bad, it's radically different than jumping into life overseas. Uh, you know, like for our team, we get really concrete about this is how our team functions. Um, this is how we make decisions. Are you okay with that? Sometimes it'll be democratic. Sometimes he'll make the call. Sometimes we will all wait on the Lord and see what happens. You know, if, if someone thinks it's going to be purely democratic all the time, then they need to know that's not how it is. And so as far as a biblical uh, mindset, people need to know that um, studying the teaching and life and commandments of Jesus is pretty important because the culture of America and the traditions of America get tossed out the window as soon as you get on a plane. Um, are they ready for that? How much can they pivot on a dime <laughs> when things change and things will change? Are they ready to have a new leader every few years? Are they ready that their team is going to be a, a, basically a door that keeps spinning? There's not a single year in your missionary service where you'll be with the same people. You have to be ready to throw out every, in, every hindrance. You know, Hebrews talks about throwing off everything that hinders you so that you will not be impeded in your race with Christ. Um, and if you're depending on a tradition or on a certain kind of leader, like, mm. oh, I only follow this kind of personality. If they're too timid or if they're not loud enough, I just don't like it. Um, that's got to go bye-bye because you have to be strong enough in your own faith to trust that he's going to put uh, the right team and the right leader. Um, so basically we're clarifying, are you done with your hindrances? Are you done with commanding that God run your life the way you would like it? If they're ready for that, I think they're ready for everything. Um, if they're not ready for that, they should probably stay and work on it a little more. And um, some people jump off the candidacy platform. They're like, oh, no, this is not what I want. I thought I would be celebrated as the hero every day like I am in my church right now. And I'm like, you will lose all honor. You will feel like a kindergartner for the next five years people will make fun of you you will wonder where god is it's the darkest night of the soul you'll ever you know encounter oh okay <laughs> oh, no no <laughs> yeah that's not it well as uh, as you guys are in the states and um kind of looking at the american church in general more than any specific one what what are the hindrances that you see in in us what are the things that you feel like hinder the American church from leaning into this uh, call that Jesus has on all of our lives to, to go and uh, love our neighbors and take the gospel to them? 
You want to go? No, you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get all, you know, Prophet Jeremiah. Mm-mm. Sure. Keith Green on you. I'm going to Keith Green you. <laughs> if anybody knows what Keith Green is. Um, well, when you say us, we are the us now. We are mm-hmm. part of the American church now. Um, but when we left, the thing about if anyone spends a significant amount of time outside of their home country, they will change and broaden their worldview and they're never going to be the same again. That's probably true for military, uh, you know, service members sure. as well. Um, and there's, there's a, there's a reverse, reverse culture shock that happens when you adjust back to your home culture, you're not the same, but everybody else is. Mm. Um, so that's kind of, uh, hard to get used to. Um, so what's hard for us now is the same as probably hard for everyone sitting with you. Um, the amount of possible distractions to think about and get offended by and to try to fight and take sides on is pretty enormous. There's a lot of things that we can form opinions on. Um, but I would, I would say um, most of it are not eternal issues. Um, what we decide today about who to vote for or how we got angry that they did this and Susie down the street said this, uh, most of that is not going to be brought up at judgment day. Right. So uh, whatever's not built on Christ, you know, first Corinthians three, whatever's not built on Christ in your life is going to burn baby burn. <laughs> yeah. uh, whatever is based on the gold of you leaning in God's promises, thinking the way he thinks, viewing every single situation and issue in society through his, uh, through his lenses um, will benefit you and benefit your family and benefit the inner peace that you have. And sometimes you just have to cut off. Like right now I'm fasting. I'm not going on the internet. I'm not on Facebook. Um, that's good for me right now um, because the amount of time I want to think about things other than, um, my family and the Bible and what Christ is saying to me, it was going down the drain. I didn't need it. So, um, I was of my own free will, wasting time and wasting energy. Um, and that will bleed into how we do church life together. Um, because the enemy wants to divide us and we want to think the worst of each other. We don't want to think the best of each other because that's how the world, the flesh and the devil work. Um, Division and hatred for the people we're supposed to honor is, if if that's happening, uh, the plan of the enemy is working. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, keep keep eternal matters uh, the forefront of our minds. Keep things that will spoil and fade and really not matter at the back. And we need to switch it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's part of that idea of. Uh, being uh, intentional, I guess, about our mindset, right? About putting the things that should be uh, front and center, front and center in our mind. We, um, we, we talked uh, last week, we defined a mindset as a set of beliefs that shape your perspective and purpose. And so what are those things that you're letting uh, shape your, your perspective and, uh, and purpose? Um, Take us uh, overseas again uh, for just a moment. On, on any given day, what is kind of top of mind for a missionary in the field? Uh, what are their priorities and, and purposes um, 
knowing everybody's life is different and, and everybody's context is a little different, uh, but what, what are those priorities and purposes on, on any given day for somebody uh, in, in the international mission field? You go ahead and go first. I'll chime in. Um, well, so I wasn't a single person. I was a married wife of four kids. And so what would be my priorities would be different than like my single gal pal on our team. Um, but I kind of have it divided into four. One is my personal vitality, my, my personal faith. Uh, you know, when you're flying on an airplane, the oxygen uh, you know, is somehow compromised and things drop from the, the ceiling. And it always says, do yours first so that you will have the um, oxygen in your brain to take care of someone else. Um, and that is exactly how it is in the spiritual life. If you're not taking care of your own spirit, um, you cannot see the needs of the lost around you. You cannot be a good wife or, you know, whatever. Um, if you put the children first, the children first, or the lost first, the lost first, your own um, passion and zeal for Christ is going to go down the drain. So keeping a very healthy and connected and soft-hearted response to Jesus every day is like, it's not an option. You don't have an option. You'll run out of oxygen. So um, that... And then I want to make disciples of the whole world, but I want to start with my kids first. Um, and if you want to ask, what kind of Christian is JJ? Don't ask somebody that I see once a week. You ask, you ask these guys because they, they actually will know what kind of Christian I am because they spend the most time with me. So being a servant in my own home was a priority. Um, and then we were team leaders. So my commitment was to empower and train and mentor you know, those other people around me so that they can do the work of the ministry. Um, they're superstars in ways that I cannot even do half as good as them. So to have, uh, to launch and support them is really important. But the fourth priority that I always made sure of for me personally was to always be a part of something of the least of the least of the least reached. So I would go into gypsy villages. I would go to visit the village where the first believer just came to Christ um, these are ethnic groups where it's, there are zero believers in the history as far as it goes back. And this is what we're sent to do. But um, clearing the schedule to do those things is very difficult because it takes time. It takes travel. It takes a lot of sitting, uh, drinking tea with them. If I say yes to every good Christian activity, um, I'll never, ever find the time to do those things. So I had to say no to everything else. You want to go to the birthday party for no? Do you want to go hang out? No. <laughs> Do you want to play this game on game night? No. I, I have to say no to almost everything to make a priority of those four things I just said, or else one of them's going to go. One of them's not going to get done, and those were my four priorities. So, what was your priorities? Um, so my priorities were more logistical. Um, keep. Uh, our visas so we could stay in the country, uh, help the teammates get visas, um, help them all through language study, uh, serve the team in a way that they could be superstars. Like JJ said, like what, what was the path that God had brought them on, uh, to get to this point and how to send them to their full potential. Yeah. And so he was very good at that. And then I loved also sharing the good news with people. Um, and I did that, you know, as often as I could. Multiple times a day. It's funny because he would be in the back of the taxi 
just waiting on the Lord, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say to this guy? Um, they might not have even heard the name Jesus before. What do you want me to say? And now he's the driver of the taxi. Awesome. 16 hours every Friday. That's 16 hours of waiting on the Lord hmm. to see. And some of these people, they get him again and again and again as their taxi driver. So he doesn't go out and make relationships. God brings relationships to your life sometimes. Hmm. But that, like, what do you want to say, Lord? <laughs> yeah. Well, even just having that as a priority in our comp, like, what, what do you want to say, Lord, in this, in this moment? Um, in this opportunity you've brought to me. Um, how, uh, how do you measure the success of those things? I mean, uh, um, those, those priorities make a, a, uh, a ton of sense to me. Um, we're, we're talking about priorities within your own home or within your own family or really a close network of people, but then also priorities um, in in sharing the gospel, uh, do you do you just wait till your kids grow up and and hope they're not too messed up and like, <laughs> hey, success? Uh, how do you how do you measure? Um, man, these things are are going well, or or do you? What does that what does that look like for you on the field? Is I know you have to like report back to people that yeah. are supporting you. Hey, this is what your support is going to. You got to report back to the CMA. Hey, this is uh, how I, things are going. So how do you how do you do that? You have a thought? I have a thought. Well, I'll just intro it because I know what she's going to say, but it's, uh, there are some things that are measurable and other things that are not. And um, so like, be careful not to measure the wrong things. And then one thing I would say is also um, sometimes the measurable things of your success can be based on the vision and the purpose that comes out of your mindset. And so if you have, something that you feel like God has spoken to you in advance, you can pursue that with all your heart and you can see his provision and his success being carried out through you. And so there is sometimes forethought in that where it is actually that God does that. So it's not always success. That's, it's not always moment by moment. It's not always moment by moment. It can also be long-term uh, kind of thoughts and, and you can join together as a church or as a family and you can pursue those with your heart because you know that he's on board with you. He promised, he, he will promise you that in advance sometimes. Yeah. So go ahead. You can share what you're Well, in, in, so we're talking about spiritual things here. How do you measure spiritual success? And, um, it, it's really important to keep, uh, your job straight and the Holy Spirit's job straight. Like, however much I try, I can't convict people of sin. I, I can't um, save anybody. I can't um, usher into eternity a soul once they die. Like, that's all God's part. But if we read the scriptures clear enough, um, he wants partners. He wants human partners who will go and be his mouthpieces. And so we might not measure... Even I get a little leery when I hear like, we're going to, we're going to see 50 new Christians in the next year. We're going to plant 12 new churches. Um, you know, I look at that. I'm like, how do you know? You don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> but what you can do is you can control and measure your own attitude and what you do about your attitude, like, um, or your posture. And you can definitely measure your schedule. And that's what we did a lot of times. We're, we were accountable to each other 
and to our company, to the team of our schedule. So like, we'll have a goal. We want to see breakthrough with the darkest um, ethnic group um, that has no believers. Okay. So we want to see that. Can we make it happen? No, we can't make it happen. What can we do to partner with Christ in that um, we can pray and fast? Okay. So like we, our, our team went through a, um, a season where we're all like on board for praying and fasting. We ramped up the prayer. We had more prayer meetings. Um, we made it a point to pray together as partners. We made it a pray. Uh, we prayed more at team meetings. And then we all, based on what God was showing us, fasted. So I think, I mean, I was fasting more than I was eating for like six months of, <laughs> of, of a period of time. That's something you can choose to do as long as you don't think you're going to be able to manipulate God. As long as you don't think he's a genie and you're in power over him. Um, there's a lot of things we can do. Um, you can have goals of how many times you, um, you do a kind thing. You can measure how many times you pray with people. You can measure how many times you're going to um read your Bible every day. These are things that you're trying your best to partner with God. And I think, um, you know, the great William Carey, who kind of changed missions in the late 1700s, he goes before his church and he's trying to convince them that God wants to send people to the heathen, um, you know, in over the far East. And uh, the lead elder said, sit down, young man, you're too excited. If God wants to save the heathen, he's going to do it without you or me. And the idea, like, how dare us think that God wants a partner um, because he's in charge of all the things. But God does want partners. And so Carrie said, you know, I wrote it down. Expect great things, Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Mm. There's certain things we can do if we have a humble posture. We can expect that God's going to bless it somehow. We don't know exactly how he's going to bless it. And so during that time when our team was really focused on it, you know, Two people from this ethnic group um, became believers. And now I think the count is like 30. Wow. Like breakthrough can happen, but we couldn't control it. Right. We could just say, Lord, I'm so desperate for you to do the thing you want to do. I'm going to agree. Mm. And this is how I'm going to agree. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast. I'm, you know, we can do things. Yeah, and sometimes we're not the ones who do it personally, but our team is. So we have to kind of be on board as the body of Christ. Right. And we have to see that uh, we need each other desperately in order to accomplish anything. And so we have to work together. We have to collaborate. We have to pray together. We have to hear from the Lord together. We have to network together. All those things. We have to do hospitality together. So it's all together. And without doing it together, uh, we can't accomplish anything on our own. Yeah, that's so good. Doing it in, in community, all doing our part. Uh, I love that. So uh, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Uh, that's, that's really good. And I, I love the idea of uh, one of the things we can control is, is our calendar, right? So we can be accountable to, to how are we spending time? How does that reflect our priorities? Uh, does it match our priorities? Um, does right. it match what God is calling us? Uh, calling us to do. Uh, okay, uh, last question. Um, again, thank you guys uh, so much for, for spending some time with us uh, this morning. Um, what, what does the American church need to grasp uh, about our purpose that you feel like might be missing? We've been, we've been talking about purpose and that when your purpose is kind of front and center, 
Uh, so what is it about purpose that you would, would look at and encourage us to lean into, to say, come on, guys, we can, we can do this, um, and, uh, and here's, here's how, here's, here's what it's, um, here's, here's the things that are missing or that we need to make sure we grab a hold of in our purpose. Go ahead. I think a big difference between, let's say, believers over there, where they are very much the minority, and believers here, we're in the minority here too, but the difference is, and there's very godly people who already have a great missionary mindset who never went overseas, okay? There, there are hundreds and, and millions of them. Yeah. Um, but I think the big difference is that where we lived, a uh, uh, least reached Muslim context, for the believers there, they've never had it easy and they don't expect it will ever be easy. Um, and for uh, American churches and American Christians, um, we're looking on the golden years. We're like, what happened to everybody loving Billy Graham? What happened to prayer in school? What happened to churches being looked fondly upon? We're actually mourning the loss of a place of honor in society. Um, but the believers over there, they've never had a place of honor in society they read the Bible and they see um, they didn't have a place of honor in society either. Um, even Jesus's brothers thought he was, he was, you know, off the deep end, the way he died, the way the believers were treated in the first century, second century. Um, you can't read the word and conclude that it should be easy. And the secular government is going to look fondly on you. That is not in the word <laughs> that, that may happen to be in our, cultural history, uh, which is very hard to deal with a change. Um, but you can't, you can't um, see every Christian in every country has had the same experience as we have had. And the freedoms and the rights and the entitlement we have to express our worship of God and how it kind of like gets a little tricky now because um, there may be persecution coming. It's a loss for us, but the guaranteed freedoms and the ease and the comfort we've had has not strengthened our, our faith muscles much. Mm. So we're a little bit weaker when it comes to what we can expect from um, the government and society. It's okay that they're not going to honor us because it was okay that they didn't honor Jesus. It's okay that, that the law is not going to be in our favor or that everybody's not going to love um, a Christian church involvement. You know, the way the early church uh, Christians died, they didn't even feel worthy to die like Jesus. They, they had to be crucified upside down. So, I mean, I'm not saying we, we got to be ready for that kind of persecution, but I'm saying like expectation is everything. So what we learned overseas from our Christian brothers and sisters, they expected God to show up in miraculous ways. They expected their families to be taken care of that their kids would have bread to eat and that they would remain faithful to the end. And that is, that is strong. Christmas isn't celebrated there. Easter's unheard of. Christians go to jail every day. Like they also expect that. So I think um, American Christians, if they just take Jesus' teachings and life example and commission seriously, they won't put expectations on top of it those luxuries have kind of weakened us. Um, and I, I love being an American and I'm so glad I have the free speech to even say this. Mm -hmm. You can love it and also recognize 
um, that it hasn't done much for uh, the strength of the church. Mm-hmm. Our theology of risk and suffering is very weak, I think. Um, yeah. What do you think? That's well said. Everybody's going to, like, uh, you know, there could be people, like, getting out and walking out right now of the sanctuary. <laughs> because that's not very popular. We don't talk about it a lot. Um, but really, when, when people are sent, people in our company are sent, we are signing... Um, Number one, we acknowledge that if we're kidnapped, the CMA is never, ever, ever, ever going to pay a ransom. We acknowledge that we're never going to work for the Secret Service. We acknowledge that we have wills, and in case we die, our little children are going to go to this person. We acknowledge we'll never complain about our income. Like, we sign all these papers. It's a legit thing. We're counting the cost, and Jesus is worth it. Mm, Count the cost, and Jesus is worth it. That's great. Any uh, last things that you want to make sure we, we hear from, from you guys? Anything we haven't covered yet? Anything you want to say, honey, on your heart? Yeah, I would just add kind of what I said at the beginning, that we are the light. You know, we are the light. I mean, Christ is the light of the world through us, shining through us, and that we can't hide that light. And in the Muslim context we were in, we would go visit these new believers' houses, and they would say, we were so depressed. It was so dark in our village. And then you came and you brightened up everything. We were so encouraged. And so it was so uh, clear the, um, the change from darkness to light because it was such a dark place. And so sometimes we forget, you know, like we bring the spotlight, you know, of Christ with us and we're shining that spotlight wherever we go. And so um, I just wanted to encourage you with that. And then also like it's a spiritual battle. And so don't forget that to put on the full armor of God, you know, not just the helmet of salvation. Like if you run into a battle with just a helmet on, like what kind of success are you going to have? Um, It says to have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we need to know the word of God. And when we go and we share with people, we need to be telling them the word of God because that's the sword of the spirit. And uh, they they have to react to that because it's a spiritual uh, it's a spiritual battle, and when the word of God goes out, it's going to uh, not return void. So we can trust that uh, if we know the word of God and we're speaking the word of God clearly, that it's going to have results. Awesome, so good. Uh, thank you again. Um, I'm uh, going to invite the worship team up. Would one of you guys uh, pray for us? Uh, as we we wrap up this time. Thank you again for being with us. We so appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having both of us. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was great. Thank you so much. Um, Lord, we we thank you for this morning, everyone who is listening to your heart uh, this morning at East Hills. I pray that you would put your hand of unity, protection, and even your strategy for how this church is a city on a hill how each person is um, put in their job and in their neighborhood and in their families even for a purpose and a reason, Lord. And I pray that people's eyes would be open to see the joy and the peace that comes cooperating and partnering with you, Holy Spirit. I thank you for um, the history of this church, no matter what ups and downs it's been through, um, that you are in the process of strengthening them Um, establishing them in you, God. I pray that there would be creative ideas and even ideas sparked from uh, this morning. I pray that the missionary mindset that you have for every follower of Jesus 
would become clearer and more exciting for each person, God. Give Josh and uh, the leaders wisdom and um, just the right strategies so that they can do exactly what you want them to do, Lord. Give uh, the church grace so that they can give one another grace and um, love one another as you have loved them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Have a great afternoon, and we will talk soon. Okay. Bye, guys. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Find out more or connect online at easthillsalliance.org.